0: This program is made possible by the support of the members of the show. For details or to sign up, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from MarkFiore.com, The Colbert Report, The Rachel Maddow Show, The Young Turks, The Onion Radio News, The Progressive, and Countdown, with a bonus video clip today for our iPhone app users from The Daily Show.
1: in a nutshell... From coast to coast, the march of the ungay continues. In New York, Congressman Massa opposes gay marriage while supporting tickling and groping. In California, State Senator Roy Ashburn, after years of voting against gay civil rights, revealed to the world that he was in fact gay. Right-wing Roy wasn't the first to spend the better part of a career proving how ungay he was. From toe-tapping tough guy Larry Craig to family values foley, many politicians appeared to have taken a hypocritical oath. But now the jig is up. People realize the more stridently family values the politician, the more likely he is to be gay. So politicians everywhere and of all preferences adapted. In order to prove their tough, red-blooded American heterosexuality, they began to sponsor loads of gay-friendly legislation. John Boehner proposed a redecorating tax credit for homosexual couples with tanning bed exemption. Mitch McConnell sponsored a gay marriage and four-week honeymoon leave bill. Pundits got in the act, too, with crazed bulldog Glenn Beck pushing for a Harvey Milk holiday and a do-ask, do-tell military recruitment drive. Obama and Biden began to publicly hold hands, showing the world how comfortable they are with their sexuality. Political positions changed. The definition of family values was expanded. People of all preferences were given equality, and the world... Did not end. It's
2: the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world.
3: out of crime but the alpha dog will torture drug dealers for information (laughs) this is my alpha dog of the week (laughs) this week's alpha dog is the reverend george (laughs) reekers this mastiff of masculinity is co-founder with dr james dobson of the family research council and he's on the board of the National Association for Research and Therapy of Homosexuality, or NARF, <laughs> which is dedicated to turning gay people straight again. So you'll never guess who this alpha dog recently took on a 10-day, all-expense-paid <laughs> trip to Europe, unless you guess gay male prostitutes. <laughs> Jim? claims he was unaware
4: the escort was a male prostitute, and that he hired him
3: because recent surgery left him unable to
5: lift his luggage.
3: Technically, technically, I believe he was looking for someone to hoist his sack. And, listen... Listen to just where he found his baggage handler, Jim. George Reekers met the escort through rentboy.com. Yes, rentboy.com. Clearly, folks, this is an honest mistake. Rentboy.com looks like a website where you hire bellhops. The men are all shirtless, so you can see how big their bag-carrying muscles are. And there are even videos where these rent boys show how good they are at grabbing and yanking things by the handle. (laughs) In fact, rentboy.com is where I got a lot of my crew. Like my new cameraman, Julian. Hey, Julian. Now, Jules. Excuse me. Julian, you are still on the clock. Who said you could stop dancing? You can stop, you can stop, you can stop, I'm getting seasick. Now, an ordinary anti-gay crusading pooch would stick its tail between its legs, but this alpha dog mounted a stiff defense. On his Facebook page, Reekers justified his trip by barking, like Jesus Christ, I deliberately spend time with sinners with the loving goal of trying to help them. Yes, Jesus spent time with prostitutes. That's why good Christians should always ask themselves WBWJR, what boy would Jesus rent? (laughs) So, Mr. Weekers, for publicly condemning man love while privately being man's best friend, you, sir, are my alpha dog of the week.
6: Meet George Allen Reekers, a conservative Baptist minister, co-founder of the vehemently anti-gay group, the Family Research Council, and one of the nation's loudest proponents of the idea that homosexuality can be cured. Here's George Reekers, photographed by the Miami New Times at Miami's airport, returning from a 10-day European vacation with a much younger, quite hunky companion, who he met and hired through the website rentboy.com. Rentboy, uh, in case you're unfamiliar with the term, is not like You know, man with a van will help with moving, or get tickets to rent the Broadway show. It's Rent Boy, as in when you log on you have to click through to acknowledge you're okay with sexually explicit material and then you essentially agree to pay for hunky male companionship. When the story broke in the Miami New Times, Mr. Reekers told the paper that he had hired this young man in question because, quote, I had surgery and I can't lift luggage. Which doesn't explain why in this New Times photo, as you can see, it is Mr. Rekers who is the one wrangling the cart, not his young consort. Mr. Reekers also told the paper that he used the trip to explain that the Christian faith is based in love and to show the rent boy how he too could be saved. Later, the young man who Mr. Reekers brought to Europe told the paper that he had spent part of each day on that trip giving Mr. Reekers massages. Very, very specific massages. You can look up the descriptions of them online yourself. There's no need to get into that here. I realize this story has been everywhere this week. There are a lot of things that are funny about it, and it is easy to have schadenfreude about a guy this ostentatiously hypocritical. I would like to add something, though, uh, to our understanding of what's going on here after a week of coverage of this story. People being gay, people being closeted, people hiring sex workers, um, in themselves, those things are neither all that funny nor all that newsworthy. But when people have built their careers their professions, uh, on professions of their own sexual moral rectitude, David Vitter, John Ensign, when people have built their careers on trying to make life miserable and dangerous for gay people while they themselves are secretly gay, Larry Craig, George Rekers, then congratulations, you've made the news. It's no longer just your private business. What hasn't been appreciated about the George Rekers rent boy case is just how miserable he has tried to make life for other gay people in this country and the fact that he's still doing it. So here's George Reekers getting caught at the Miami airport on April 13th. Okay, that's him in the blue shirt in the foreground. It's a picture he didn't want you to see. The George Reekers he does want you to see shows up here exactly two weeks earlier in this letter, dated March 31st. This letter was reportedly sent to every school superintendent in America, all 14,800 of them. The letter advises school districts, quote, in dealing with adolescents experiencing same-sex attraction, it's essential to understand there is no scientific evidence that an individual is born gay or transgender. It is also critical to understand that these conditions can respond well to therapy. Right. If you have the gay, don't worry, it can be cured. Although doing so sometimes leaves a lingering backache? Maybe? The Hey Superintendent, any gay kids in your school district need to be told they can be cured letter uh, is from none other than George Reekers. See, he's listed here on the letter as a member of the Pediatric Psychosocial Development Committee of this group, the American College of Pediatricians. That sounds official, it sounds serious, right? It's not. They are just one of these wacky far-right Cure the Gays groups. They're hoping that you will mistake them. They are the American College of Pediatricians. They're hoping you'll mistake them for the real doctors group, the American Academy of Pediatrics. That's the real group. Again, the the Cure the Gays letter from George Rekers' group goes out on March 31st to every school district in the country. George Rekers then shows up at Miami's airport two weeks later. With the hot young guy he hired off of rentboy.com, having just returned from a 10-day rentboy vacation. It's as though he and his colleagues put the letter in the mail, deadline met, and then left for two weeks of much-needed vacation and massages. The reason George Reeker's pitiful, closeted, hypocritical life news uh, is actual news is because he's quite actively engaged in trying to change this country to make it a more difficult place to be gay. Particularly a more difficult place to be a young gay person while he is simultaneously hiring at least one young gay person to not carry his baggage. In 2004, George Rekers was paid tens of thousands of dollars to testify as an expert witness for the state of Arkansas, supporting that state's ban on gay parents caring for foster kids. In 2008, George Rekers was again paid tens of thousands of taxpayer dollars to be an anti-gay expert witness, this time by the state of Florida, to defend Florida's ban on gay parents adopting. Florida is fighting for that ban with the help of esteemed experts like George Rekers. A court ruling on the constitutionality of that law is expected any day now. Here's the basic idea about cases like this, and Larry Craig, and Ted Haggard, and John Ensign, and David Vitter, and, 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 and. The miserable denial and lying in your own sex lives is your own miserable in denial lying business. Unless you make it the whole country's business by crusading against the thing that is true about yourself that you hate so much. Being gay cannot be cured. Being a contemptible, pathetic hypocrite can be cured. Come out, come out wherever you are.
0: This episode is being sponsored by Audible. They're the world's largest resource for downloadable audio content like books, periodicals, premium podcasts, and more. For a limited time until June 30th, Audible is offering listeners of this show a free audiobook download of your choice. It's a pretty good deal. Simply visit audiblepodcast.com slash best. That's audiblepodcast.com slash best.
7: A brazilian archbishop, uh, his name is Dedius Grings, if I'm saying that right, which I probably am not as usual, and he has a unique theory about uh, the pedophilia problem in the church, homosexuality, how they all relate. First of all, he thinks that people become spontaneously homosexual.
4: Spontaneously.
7: Yeah. So, I might
4: be spontaneously homosexual tomorrow.
7: But you never know. <laughs> you never know. Okay, like you've been walking around, you're like, all of a sudden, boom, it hits you. You're spontaneously homosexual. You're like, <laughs> penis okay so this is the dude's theory and you never know you could be walking around uh, Anna and be like Ellen DeGeneres
4: so sexy
7: <laughs> it's just like spontaneous combustion it can happen here's some of his quotes uh, we know that adolescent uh, that the adolescent is spontaneously homosexual boys play with boys girls play with girls if there's no proper guidance this sticks Uh, Well, I love this guy. The question is, how are we going to educate our children to use a sexuality that is human and suitable? Okay, so wrong in so many ways. But my favorite thing about this, Anna, is that it goes to the heart of what uh, a lot of conservative, you know, in this case, Catholics, Christians, whatever it might be, religious people, it could be Muslims, doesn't matter. uh, They always think, like, No! Boys and boys are naturally attracted to each other, and so are girls with girls. So we have to fight it, you know. Otherwise, you know, boom, they become spontaneously homosexual, and then it sticks, and then you can't undo it. But you see, that I didn't have that experience. Like I I don't think a lot of us did. Where you're Mm -hmm. like, I mean, when you were growing up, was it like, oh, I know (laughs) you. did girls come up to you and be like, Oh, let's play around, let's do that. <laughs> no,
4: actually, um my earliest memory of playing with kids or whatever was when I was in kindergarten and I had a crush on Sanjeep and uh he was the Indian boy oh, in the wow. class. Very and
0: multicultural. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
4: and I, I mean you of course you don't naturally uh grow up liking your sex, right? You it, I don't know. They're it, crazy. It's
7: yeah, it's it. it's it comes from within you it's not like and that's why these guys don't get it it's because within them they're gay okay mm-hmm. And so they think everybody is gay so he thinks well obviously when you're young boys are attracted to boys well, and if you're not careful it's gonna stick but we don't all think that actually most of us are straight nothing wrong with being gay as long as you know and you want to wear funny clothing and be a Catholic priest or whatever I just wear funny clothing and
4: go to West Hollywood and just, you know, relax a little bit. But I love the contradictions here, Cenk, because, look, first of all, they say that you choose to be gay. Uh-huh. It's a choice that you make, right? And then all of a sudden they say, no, 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 you're born automatically being gay, and you have to find a way to make yourself straight.
7: And this new one is kind of a hybrid, where you are not gay, all of a sudden you spontaneously become gay, unless you fight really hard against it, it sticks. Here's some more absurd comments from the uh, uh, Archbishop here, he says, when sexuality is trivialized, it's clear that this is going to affect all cases. Homosexuality is such a case. Before the homosexual wasn't spoken of, he was discriminated against. He views that as a positive. So he continues, when we begin to say that they have rights, rights to demonstrate publicly, pretty soon we'll find the rights of pedophiles. He's like, remember the good old days when we used to keep the gays down and discriminate against them? Now, that that kept him down a little bit uh, and kept our natural, I mean, their natural urges out, right? Is what the March Bishop is saying. And he's like, now, next thing you know, we're going to allow my uh, natural urge of pedophilia to get up. Oh, oh, I mean, their natural urge of pedophilia. Dude, the rest of us aren't pedoph- pedophiles, okay? We don't have those natural urges that you apparently have to fight your whole life. So uh, he continues society today is pedophile. That is the problem. So people easily fall into it. You get what he's saying? These are his urges, and he's projecting it all onto us. That's uh, unreal, man. He's also the guy, by the way, that said, ah, there weren't that many Jews killed in the Holocaust. Oh, my God. It's like there was only like a million. They're exaggerating with six million. People who make that case always amuse me. Like, what, let's say for a second that you were right, okay? even though every single piece of evidence in the world indicates that you were wrong, right? And then what? Like, what did you prove? Oh, no, the Nazis only killed a million Jews. <laughs> and? Okay. Yeah. it's I don't know why they even bother to make such asinine points so look when somebody comes and tells you "Oh, watch out for the gays he's saying watch out for me because I'm gay okay that's that's the reality
4: you know I feel so bad for people like him though like I read um, an update on the Shelley Wright story you know the country singer who just recently came out and said she's a lesbian she had this relationship with a man for years and she talked about how every time they would sleep together she would cry right and it's like, dude, these people hide their identities because they're so afraid for so long. It's like, just be true to yourself, okay? Stop with the hating. Stop with the self-doubt um, or whatever the hell they're going through and just come out. It's, it just it drives me crazy.
7: One last thing on this. If you're straight, uh, let me play a little game with you <laughs> and see if it sticks. Um, <laughs> imagine for a second that we lived in a bizarro world where the acceptable thing was to be gay and you and you had to hide it if you were straight mm-hmm. okay and that was like oh my god it's so unnatural and remember when we used to discriminate against straight people and that was great and they compare you to pedophiles and bestiality and etc right so now if you're a guy in that bizarre world you'd have to have gay sex to fit in okay mm-hmm. now do you see why shelley wright was crying every time she had straight sex okay and then you'd have to be like oh no, no i gotta be no no i'm with a guy i love guys yeah, yeah, yeah right and then sneak away and be with a girl. I mean, if you live in that world, how oppressive would that be? Of course. Yeah. How hideous would that be, right? If you're a straight guy or a straight girl, right? So now, flip it on its head, and that is the world they live in, for gay people. So that's why we fight so hard against this kind of agon. says, turn
2: off the radio. says, turn off the says, turn off the
8: For the things I say, she turned toward me, then she turned
1: away. There's lots of forces in a modern world that take the toll upon a modern girl. A church group offers a homosexual a new life in the closet. It's the Onion Radio News. I'm Doyle Redland. Three years ago, born-again Christian Dennis Lindemann was a self-described homosexual party slut. But now, thanks to Reclamation Ministries, his homosexual yearnings are safely in the closet, and he has entered into a tortured, loveless marriage to fellow Christian Diane Lindemann.
0: Jesus has given me a fresh start. When I lock myself in the bathroom with the light off, crying for hours on end, I know he's there while watching over me, ready to condemn me to eternal hellfire if I give in to my ferocious, unquenchable desire to make love to other
1: men. Reclamation Ministries founder, Reverend Henry Spotswood, says the closet of the Lord has room enough for even the most vile of homos. Doyle Redlin for The Onion Radio News.
3: tonight has written a New York Times Magazine article about whether animals can be gay. I've always suspected my dog might be Lego-sexual. Please welcome John Muellem. Hey, Mr. Muellem, thank you so much. Now, sir, let's get on down to brass tacks here. You wrote this New York Times Magazine article, okay? They gay You, you, you say that uh, animals could be gay. You, you, you discussed findings of a biologist studying albatrosses that might be lesbians. Uh, you know I have a word for those. Albatresbians. <laughs> <laughs> d- d- tell me about the foundings yeah, of this man.
8: Uh... Well, you know, basically what we know is that there's, there have been observations of same-sex activity in about 450 different species. You've got, you know, female koalas that will mount each other, you've got uh, male dolphins that will penetrate each other in the blowhole. Um, really? Where is that happening? Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not really at liberty to say. Um, but you know, we, don't know, we don't know basically how, how sporadic or how frequent this is. There's, there's a few cases, like these albatross where basically I went to this place in, in Oahu where out of about 120 breeding pairs of albatross, about a third of them are female-female pairs. So it's uh, two, two female birds doing everything that, that a male and a female bird would normally do during the season. You know, uh, have an egg, they, they raise the chick together, they take turns feeding it.
3: How can they have an egg? They can't have an egg together.
8: Well, they, they actually each have an egg, because they're, they're both females, and what happens is, is that one or both of them is sort of finding an opportunity to sneak off, have, a, have sex with a male, and then they, they come back and, and raise that, that egg together. So they're alba
3: <laughs> They're not even monogamous. That is terrible. Well, Now, I can't tell the difference between a male and a female albatross. Isn't it a simpler explanation that neither can the albatrosses? <laughs> Maybe they think they're with another male. I suppose that's possible. I mean... I'll tell you what's disturbing about it. Let me me tell you why this upsets me, is that I look to the natural world to prove that homosexuality is a choice. And if you're saying that animals are getting gay out there, that means it's a natural thing to do, ergo,
8: wrong. Are you with me on this? Well, this is, this is the problem. This is what I was trying to talk about in the article is that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, th- this debate over, you know, people trying to discriminate against gay and lesbian people have often said it's, un- it's unnatural. We're
3: not trying to discriminate. We're trying to identify and ostracize. There's a difference. There's a difference there, sir. So Go ahead. Yes. But... <laughs>
8: I suppose the the, the the bigger point is you know whether or not it can be reassuring to see you know this going on between animals and that seems to suggest well it's not unnatural it's it's very natural it's not a choice these animals aren't choosing it but but really I don't think that's the a really coherent or even important debate to have I and mean, we do things all the time that animals don't do you know we we sit at tables and have conversations we play Scrabble I, you know I don't see any uh, none of the albatrosses were doing that but all these things that, that we do we don't think to, to reflect back and and think of whether they're natural or not it's only about the, these sort of sexual issues where we're all sort of peeking over our shoulders, trying to find precedence or, or validation or, or, or a, a, reputa- a reputation of, of what we're doing in, in the animal world. That's a lot of fancy words. Animals gay or not? That's
3: my question. <laughs> you said they gay. What's the answer? Do animals get gay? Do they gay it up? Are they gaying <laughs> off? How, how, how much more simply can I reduce your argument?
8: Do I, I... Are animals gay? Uh, well, let's talk about the word gay for, for a second, Oh well, Let's do it. So... <laughs> You're on my so, turf now. All right. All right. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, gay is, is meaning a sexual orientation. It's not just a, a behavior. And if you mm-hmm. think about it, how are, we, how are you going to show that an animal is gay? I mean, you'd have to I would that. say penetrating each other's blowholes yeah. might, <laughs> might be one
3: way. <laughs> One way to show that I'm just going to reach, reach random. Okay, here.
8: but is that is that dolphin you know perpetually you know, always oriented towards being attracted to, to other male dolphins? I, I mean, doubt anyone's going to forget
3: that happened.
8: <laughs> you know, you know, you penetrate
3: one blowhole. I know, follows you for the rest of your life, but it did happen.
8: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's a valid point. It's, about, it's probably Thank you. Pretty, it's probably I rarely memorable. hear that. Okay. <laughs> Um, but, you know, when you use a word like gay, that yes. you're applying a, a human term to, to the animal Yes, I am. Well, uh, animals have very human qualities. I've seen bears
3: roller skate and monkeys smoke in the circus. <laughs> What's the difference?
8: I mean, I think the difference is how much stock you put in the similarity or dissimilarity between between us and animals. I mean, we as a society shouldn't base what we what we tolerate or not tolerate by whether it exists or doesn't exist in the animal kingdom. Before people knew about homosexual activity in animals, they used that as an excuse to say, you know, this is why homosexuality is is immoral in Mm -hmm. in humans. Um, you know, because it, it doesn't. It, even if the animals aren't doing that, certainly we shouldn't. Um, and then when we get new knowledge, those arguments have to change. So how do I know? How do I know I can trust this new knowledge? What about
3: what about journalistic bias? Let me ask you this: Are are you gay? Uh, no, no. Are you an albatross?
8: Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm a, a straight human.
3: All right. Yeah. Well then, uh, uh, I think it's an article worth reading.
0: I love hearing from listeners who write in to tell me about how this show positively impacts their lives as it reinforces the idea that what I'm doing really may be making a little bit of a difference. What I love even more is that it's the support of the listeners themselves which makes this show possible. If you appreciate the service this show provides, you can make individual donations or become a member and donate $5 a month or even save a couple of bucks by paying for a year in advance. Member support gives me the time it takes to produce 10 shows per month, and in return, members receive access to bonus audio and video content through members-only raw feeds. For details or to sign up, visit the membership tab at festivalf.com. Thanks so much for your support.
7: Good news today. Uh, White House is seeking to speed up the don't ask, don't tell repeal. Okay? Yeah. So, this is very good news. Now, uh, in the beginning, I was. Both skeptical and optimistic about this at the same time. So what do I mean by that? I was short-term skeptical when Obama came in. I said, knowing Obama, knowing Rahm Emanuel, they'll want to do this in 2011 after the midterm elections. Uh, but it's going to get done because it has tremendous popularity. Now the polls have it at 70% of Americans believe that we should repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Also, large margins in the military at this point, point uh, and that it's going to get done. And so I'm not overly worried about it, but it is going to take some time. Well, as it turns out, I, I was right in the timing. Uh, what happened was Congress was pushing forward on it, and the Obama administration said, no, "No, no, 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 let's do it after the 2010 elections. Let's do it in 2011." Yeah. But as you know, as circumstances changed and as polling happened, exactly. Yeah. What wound up happening is Congress said, "No, we got to go now." Okay. Yeah. And so they pushed the administration harder and harder. And today, the administration basically said, okay we're gonna give in, we'll do it on your time schedule, we were gonna do it anyway. And
9: Gates is doing that too, which is sort of impressive. Uh, it's, Absolutely. It's not, not so Secretary. much, I mean, it's the White House, yeah, Robert Gates, it's not just the White House, it's the administration, it's the Defense Department, and it's the head of the Civilian Defense Department. Uh, because that was, uh, when, when Bill Clinton tried this in 1993, um, and it was probably mm-hmm. ill-advised, the timing, it's amazing that it was 17 years ago, actually, because it seems like it was something that happened pretty recently. Uh, it, the, you know, America was a different place. I mean that's almost a generation now, and to see this polling at 70% is encouraging about the direction of the country. But it's also encouraging to see the people that are pressing for this as opposed to what was happening then.
7: So on the one hand, you can get frustrated by Obama's usual incrementalism, gradualism. You know, I'll I'll do it, I'll get to it, I'll, I'll do it later. I don't want to risk anything before the elections. Uh, and he gets pulled, uh, kicking and screaming to some degree in that direction. But on the other hand if gradualism and incrementalism always work this way then I'd be in favor of it because we're gonna win on this issue yeah we're not gonna lose on this issue okay and Obama said
9: by the way the incrementalism here is 17 years of incrementalism because it's not like this is the first time that it's been talked about in that right and
7: and to Clinton's credit he tried he tried real hard and he lost on that I mean and he got a compromise that was the best he could do at the time and and we didn't like that compromise but given the politics it really appeared to, that that was as far as we could take it at that yeah, point. Yeah, especially
9: because it was really the first thing he did out of the gate, and it was unforeseen at that time that he would do that, and it seemed like, all right, here's this guy, and now he's doing this sort of what seemed like a marginal, uh, you know, change. Seemed extreme to a lot of people. Seemed extreme to the military. Uh, but now that we've also seen how ridiculous it is when people are discharged because based on their sexuality, and as we've matured as a, as a you know, a country over 17 years, uh, it, the timing for it is is much better now. Right.
7: Right. I mean, to give and you know, to give you a sense of the comparison between Obama and Clinton, right? And and Clinton was a centrist and you know a triangulator and all that, and people get angry about it. But I always maintain it was different times that I agreed with the centrism at that time, right? But to give you a sense of how much bolder he is in some ways than Obama, he did that 17 years ago and pushed for it to go all the way. He didn't start with the compromise, right? He started with. Hey, let's repeal this. Obama, 17 years later, after all this change, after the polls are on his side, he still wants to wait some time, and he's getting pulled, kicking and screaming in this direction. Uh, yeah, I, so, I, 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 you know, as far as boldness, he doesn't have it. But to so just to finish the thought here, but don't get discouraged by stuff like that, okay? Because, yeah. you know, as frustrating as that is, change once they set this in motion and the defense department is going to do more analysis and study it etc but once they say hey we're going to repeal it it's over they can't undo that they're not going to be able to go back in time we're going to win on that issue and i think one of the reasons we're going to win is because there's no money involved right if there were corporate interests on the side of keeping gays out of the military we'd be screwed
6: In Clinton's 1992 presidential campaign, he promised that he would repeal the ban on gay people serving in the United States military. After the new president was elected, months of brutal politics followed in which his opponents turned the gays in the military issue to maximum advantage against him. President Clinton ultimately signed a piece of legislation that effectively codified the ban on gays in the military under a total misnomer of a new name. They called it Don't Ask, Don't Tell. The subsequent 17 years, though, have seen plenty of asking, as thousands of service members have been run out of the military despite their desire to stay and serve, thanks to an aggressive witch-hunting sexual orientation investigative system within the armed forces. Since Don't Ask, Don't Tell was put into effect, it has resulted in more than 14,000 people who are ready and able to serve being fired from our military. Many of them have been unwilling to go quietly. Over the last 17 years, Americans have learned the names of people like Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Victor Farenbach, Army Lieutenant Dan Choi, Air Force Major Mike almy all three whose stories you have heard when they have been guests on this very program. Americans have also learned the names of people like Jenny Kopstein, a highly decorated U.S. Navy lieutenant who served multiple deployments in the Pacific after 9-11. Army Captain Anthony Woods, an Iraq War veteran who received the Bronze Star and the Army Commendation Medal. Rhonda Davis, a former first-class U.S. Navy petty officer. All of these people have either been kicked out of our military or are in the process of being kicked out of our military as a result of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. All of them have been willing to make their cases known publicly to put a face on the consequences of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And look what that's done. Look at what's happened to public opinion on the issue since Don't Ask, Don't Tell went into effect in 1993. Support for gay people serving openly in America's military was about 44% back in 1993. It is up to 75% today and holding. 75% of Americans don't agree on anything. Some days it feels like 75% of Americans wouldn't all agree that the world is round. But 75% of Americans agree that don't ask, don't tell is dumb, that gay people should be allowed to serve openly in the US military. 17 years down the road, in this rather different public opinion climate now, a new Democratic president has promised again that gay people will be allowed to serve openly in our military. And despite all that's changed over the past 17 years, again, this Democratic president is facing political opponents who are determined to turn this issue to maximum advantage against him. The problem now is that when people like Mike Pence, the number three Republican in the House, say that Republicans are all going to vote against a repeal this year because, quote, the American people don't want the American military to be used to advance a liberal political agenda, when people like Mike Pence say that, as Mike Pence did today, that talking point seems like it might have made sense in 1993. Maybe. But now, the American people, if you ask them, and pollsters often do, the American people sort of do want this to change. But the fight is an uphill one. Last night on this program, we told you about a compromise that had apparently been reached to include Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal legislation in a bill that is expected to be voted on this week. The compromise essentially allows Congress to vote on repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell now, this week. But if the repeal passes, it wouldn't take effect until after the Pentagon's internal study of the issue is complete, towards the end of the year. Repeal would be contingent on that study. It couldn't go into effect until, quote, the president transmits to the congressional defense committees a written certification signed by the president, the secretary of defense, and the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff that repeal would be, quote, consistent with the standards of military readiness, military effectiveness, unit cohesion, and recruiting and retention of the armed forces. This compromise was crafted by Senator Carl Levin of Michigan, Senator Joe Lieberman of Connecticut, and Congressman Patrick Murphy of Pennsylvania. Their ability to get the White House to endorse this strategy is a big step toward getting Don't Ask, Don't Tell repealed this year. Another big step came from the Pentagon today, from Defense Secretary Robert Gates. Until today, Secretary Gates had been adamant that Congress should not repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell until after the military finished that review, that review of how to repeal it. Well, today, Bob Gates said he accepts this proposed compromise amendment to vote on repeal now, but to hold implementation until after the study of how to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell is completed, which is expected to be done in December. The plan at this hour now is for both the House and the Senate to vote on a repeal amendment later this week, perhaps as early as Thursday. Today Congressman Murphy of Pennsylvania, himself an Iraq war veteran, officially introduced the repeal amendment in the House as part of the defense authorization bill. The magic number you need to pass something through the House is 217. Patrick Murphy will need to find those 217 if the House is going to vote to end Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Will any Republicans be part of that 217? Well, Republican leadership aides confirmed to NBC News today that House Republicans say they will not only vote against the amendment to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, they will vote against the entire defense authorization bill if it contains the Don't Ask, Don't Tell amendment. In other words, they will vote to defund the Pentagon if that's what it takes to stop gay people from serving openly in the military. Rather, no military at all than one that doesn't witch hunt for the gay. The prospect of repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell has always been an uphill climb. But for those who would like to see it happen this year, finally, they may take some comfort from the fact that the climbing at least appears to have begun.
10: Step must be placed so that I don't fall Last, the days of Don't Ask, Don't Tell are numbered. The House voted on Thursday by a comfortable margin to repeal it, and the Senate Armed Services Committee also voted for repeal. Now, the full Senate must take it up, and though the hypocritical and increasingly Neanderthal John McCain is rising up on his hind legs to oppose it, the likelihood is that Don't Ask, Don't Tell won't survive 2010, and good riddance to it. This policy, which required gays and lesbians to wall off their private lives in ways that no heterosexual ever had to, was discriminatory at birth and more and more ludicrous as it grew older. Openly gay soldiers were serving in the militaries of other countries that were members of Bush's Coalition of the Willing, and those militaries, including Britain's and Israels, noticed no adverse effects, nor did the coalition. And our military, so short not only of able bodies but of skilled minds, was in no position to be cashiering the 14,000 gays and lesbians who got tossed because Bill Clinton, Didn't have the guts to outlaw discrimination in the military in the first place. Barack Obama, Defense Secretary Gates, and the Joint Chiefs deserve praise for bringing the shameful period in our military to an end. It should have happened a long time ago. You can
0: now support this podcast as easily as by shopping online. The next time you need to make a purchase of just about anything, simply visit bestofleft.com and use our Amazon.com search box to find what you're looking for. The search box is located right on the side of the website. You can't miss it. When you make your purchase, we get a little commission. It's just another effortless, completely free way for you to help keep the show going strong. Thanks for your support.
7: So, uh, of course, we're considering we're Don't Ask, Don't Tell in the military and uh, allowing uh, gay Americans to serve. Uh, of course, conservatives are upset about this. Um, but, you know, I've never gotten a, a great explanation as to why. Uh, but Senator Inhofe from Oklahoma is here to rescue the day. He's going to explain to us what the problems are. So let's go to clip number nine.
2: you You've Gone through the military, gone through basic training, and you start and think, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's a... First of all, it would be very expensive. Secondly, it's just not working. You have women, men, then you'd have a third group to deal with, and they're just not equipped to do that. And, you know, you hear the stories all the time. Uh, the the a, a military guy, I, I happen to be Army, and Army and Marines always feel that when we're out there, we're not doing it for the flag or for the country. We're doing it for the guy in the next foxhole, And uh, and, and that would dramatically change that.
7: Uh, okay. Now, there's a funny side to this and a very serious side to it. The funny side is then there's that third group, right?
0: <laughs> uh, he also shows an unhealthy interest in the next guy's foxhole too. <laughs> uh,
7: and he says we're not really equipped for it. I'd use your imagination if I were you, Senator <laughs> Inhofe. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, he, he's very concerned about all that, and uh, he's heard a lot of stories. I bet you have, Senator Inhofe. Uh, but the serious side of that was what he said at the end there. So, uh, you know, you've got to look out for the guy uh, in the next foxhole. And if he's straight, well, obviously you would look out for him. Right. But if right. he's gay, well, he's gay. What, uh, what do I care if he lives or dies? So, of course, I wouldn't look out for him. And I suppose also if he's gay, he wouldn't look out for you because, you know, gays are what, evil? And they don't care about their comrades and their... I think you put your finger on it. I I think that he um, is basically saying, if the guy in
0: the next foxhole was gay, I wouldn't lift a finger to save him. And that tells you all you need to know about him, including what kind of so-called Christian he is, since you're supposed to love the the sinner and hate the sin, so here's a guy who's basically saying, gay, get
2: your head blown off.
7: Yeah, I mean, I can't figure out how they're equipped. Uh, they're some sort of third sex or something. And you know what? If they died, no skin off my ass. So uh, that's why, because I'm such a bad guy, we shouldn't have them in the military. By the way, you're wrong about that, Senator Anhoff, as to what the actual people in the military think. In 2006, there was a survey of service members. 73% of them said they were comfortable with gays and lesbians, no issues. 73% not everybody is as much of an asshole
8: as you are.
2: I am a passenger.
11: The Senate Armed Services Committee has voted 16 to 12 to repeal the 17-year-old ban on gays serving openly in the U.S. military. Fifteen Democrats joined by Republicans' Susan Collins of Maine in favor of repeal. Eleven Republicans, along with the Democrat Jim Webb of Virginia, voting against it. The House expected to vote tonight or possibly tomorrow. Either way, Speaker Pelosi telling reporters today, quote, the votes are there. But in our number one story, before Don't Ask, Don't Tell becomes Don't Remember It, It's History, John McCain is marshaling his own resistance to the Senate Amendment, inexplicably siding with right-wing fringe groups who are attempting to out-homophobe each other to prevent historic progress for gay Americans. Dan Savage joins me in a moment. First, the New York Times reports that the ranking Republican on the Senate Armed Services Committee, Mr. McCain solicited and received letters from the chiefs of four branches of military calling for the vote to be delayed until after a Pentagon review. That's after the secretary of defense and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs already had endorsed repealing the law. A new CNN poll out this week indicates nearly eight in 10 Americans and nearly 60 percent of Republicans favor allowing gays to serve openly in the military. Sixty percent of Republicans. Speaking for the minority opinion, Family Research Council Peter Sprigg, he told reporters yesterday, quote, Protected class status for homosexuals would make victims hesitant to report assaults and make commanders hesitant to punish them for fear of appearing homophobic. According to Mr. Sprigg, quote, the most common type of homosexual assault is one in which the offender fondles or performs oral sex on a sleeping victim. Cliff Kincaid of the America's Survival Group, also of accuracy in media, uh, warns of an army of cross-dressing corporal clingers. His group also produced a 10-minute-long YouTube video which warns, disease-tainted gay blood threatens our troops. Open and active homosexuals in the U.S. military could very well result in the spreading of deadly HIV-tainted blood throughout the ranks. And when all else fails, there's always the Hitler card. This is Brian Fisher from a group called the American Family Association.
5: Hitler himself was an active uh, homosexual, straight soldiers to be savage and brutal and vicious enough uh, to carry out his orders, but that homosexual soldiers uh, basically had no limits in the savagery and brutality they were willing to inflict on whoever uh, Hitler sent them after. So he surrounded himself. Virtually all of the stormtroopers, the brown shirts, were male uh, homosexuals.
11: Well, we got a bonus tonight. We got to see the audition tape of the guy who finished second to Glenn Beck. Uh, joining me now is Promise, the author of uh, The Commitment Love, Sex, Marriage, and My Family, columnist Dan Savage. Good evening, Dan. Good evening, Keith. Can you, uh, I know this is, I'm like, it's like asking people to explain. I don't know, mythology or something, but could you explain how Hitler, who had people murdered for being gay, also had this uh, all-gay army that did his murdering for him in between their assaults on straight soldiers who were surprisingly sound sleepers?
5: It's inexplicable. It's a big lie. Uh, Hitler treated gay people the way these right-wing bigots would like to treat gay people, gay soldiers the way these right-wing bigots Mm -hmm. would like to treat gay people and gay soldiers, they were dr- driven out of the armed forces, they were locked up in concentration camps, and they were murdered. And this guy decided particularly the brown shirts, on the Night of the Long Knives, Hitler disbanded the brown shirts and murdered, had Ernst Rome murdered, who was their leader, who may have been gay. Hitler was not an active homosexual. Hitler was married to a lovely female named Eva Brown and had a very strange... Uh, relationship with her, but there's no evidence, none whatsoever, that Hitler was a homosexual active or otherwise. This is a measure of their desperation. They are losing the battle. That's why they're trotting out all of these really appalling and
11: easily disproved lies. Are you ever uh, surprised at the lies or how absurd they are or the venom that comes from these uh, groups of idiots? No. Whenever
5: they're on the verge of losing, uh, culturally, uh, out come you know, the most appalling, bigoted statements. We've been hearing this sort of uh, hyperbole for 40 years, 30 years. Back when the first gay and lesbian civil rights legislation uh, laws were being enacted, we heard that you know, we couldn't let gays and lesbians be teachers, and we had Anita Bryan in Florida and the Briggs Initiative in California, and we couldn't let gays and lesbians be teachers because gays and lesbians recruit, and they were going to recruit your children. All of that is not true. These laws have been passed. There isn't. There aren't gay teachers out there recruiting or raping your children. There won't be gay soldiers out there recruiting or raping other soldiers. HIV-positive people can't serve in the armed forces. There will not be HIV-positive blood on the battlefield. Uh, Soldiers are required to wear what they are required to wear. So there aren't going to be an army of Corporal Clingers, although that would probably terrify, uh, (laughs) you know, our opponents in al-Qaeda and uh, (laughs) Afghanistan
11: if we did send an army of Colonel Clingers over there. Uh, is there something, do you think, specifically about gays serving in the military that these people don't like? Or is it, as, as you're suggesting, or is this like a timeline in which, wherever they encounter the gay, uh, uh, these, these bizarre straight people, presumably straight people, who knows, have to, have to overreact just yeah. because this is the latest battlefield, no pun intended? Well,
5: first, that's a really great point. Who knows who's lifting these people's luggage, Mm -hmm. these folks who are so paranoid about people being (laughs) filleted in their sleep? I'd like to see what's going on in their heads. I think they're projecting some of them. Um, Whenever they're on the verge of losing, they trot out these desperate nightmare scenarios. And they really are on the verge of losing the last two final issues when it comes to gay rights, which is service in the military and marriage. And increasingly, the country is ever more supportive of full marriage rights for gays and lesbians, perhaps not using the word marriage, perhaps civil unions, as in the United Kingdom, but full marriage, full civil enfranchisement for gay and lesbian citizens, and military service uh, for gay and lesbian Mm -hmm. citizens. We're seeing the end of official government discrimination against gays and lesbians, and it's really sending them over the
11: edge. Briefly, if 60 percent of Republicans say it's fine by them, why is John McCain doing this, and why is he on the side of these nutbags?
5: John McCain is doing this to appease the, the Tea Party wackadoodles in Arizona and to uh, you know, run to the right and appeal to the hard, crazy, bat-crap conservative right uh, that is tossing incumbents. Uh, ancient incumbents like McCain are particularly at risk. And this is just a crass political move on his part. He said during the election, uh, the very recent election that he lost, that if the, head of the, if the heads of the military service supported mm-hmm. a repeal of DADT, he would support it. And now he doesn't. Uh, the man is a liar and uh, a dit- the last dishonest man, or the first dishonest man right now in Washington, DC. And it- it's appalling. His, his uh, 180 on this issue is appalling and transparent.
9: Gomert, uh, you know, long uh, heralded for his politics of inclusion, he is a Texan. You'll be shocked to know, Louis Gomert. Uh, that's uh, number two, Jr.
2: The military is not a social experiment. We are sending them out there with a mission to protect this country. And if someone has to be overt about their sexuality whether it's in a bunker where they're confined under fire, then it's a problem. And that's what repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell does. It says, I have to be overt. I don't care. I want this to be a social experiment. While we send men and women out in harm's way to lay down their lives for us, we don't care what you think. We don't care what word you were given by your leaders, that we do care what you think, and we'll incorporate that and we'll work with that. We're saying we're shoving this down your throat. We don't care. <laughs>
9: That's what they're <laughs> the,
12: the, the ovation,
9: I, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> I, uh, uh, we doctored that just a bit.
12: <laughs> just the ovation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, I had, uh, he lost his way. I couldn't even follow him. Well,
9: I mean, first of all, um, you know, these things often speak for themselves. There's not much we can say about them. They're infuriating. Uh, If you live in Tyler or Longview, Texas, you should be embarrassed by your representation in Congress. Uh, That that, uh, just because, um, you know, we're not saying that you have to be overt. We're saying you should not have to be covert, that we are who we are. And and it does not at all affect anything he was talking about. They're going out and they're in the bunker. D- does he just? Louis gomert must think that gay people? Oh, oh they're in a bunker. We're, they're just going to start having sex. Wearing
12: you know? their sexuality on their sleeve. Uh, Look, we, uh,
9: hitting on other people in the military.
12: Uh, I'm overtly heterosexual. I tell you what, if I were in the military, I'd restrain myself next to female soldiers. Right, and if you didn't, no.
9: you'd be kicked out, just no. like this person. Yeah, and you know?
12: we're not. Uh, yeah, they're not. Uh, they don't. Uh, the Sexuality. Is not uh, different depending on your sexuality,
9: on your orientation. Yeah, I mean, on your orientation. Exactly, right. and, and and it's uh, it's so offensive. But you just have to keep thinking back that it, it, you know when the Voting Rights Act w- was passed and and this this kind of chatter was had on the House floor. I am sure there were people that sounded as stupid and foolish and backwards as Louis Gohmert does. Louis Gohmert sounds like a moron. And one day people are going to listen and and they're going to hear Louis Gohmert and they're going to think oh, you know you're going have school children listening to Louis Gohmert saying, Oh my God, what country is
12: this? Can I, uh, JR, what happens if I, uh, uh, unless you, can I just, we're just gonna, what happens if I play the thing marked you, white moron? <laughs> That's gonna be okay. All right, I just wanted to make sure. So, uh you can go ahead and say Louis Gomert's a moron. Again. Louis
9: Gomert is a moron.
12: <laughs> you white moron. Okay, there we go. <laughs> right. Uh
9: yeah, Louis Gomert is uh is uh is yesterday's politics and um, thankfully uh we have him out there saying
12: those. it's <laughs> yesterday's politics and he only has 185 other guys in Congress well, standing
9: that. I mean, that's school. true, but you know that it's uh that happened then and it will these people will be looked at as fools one day. Let's see he has some friends. Uh let's Let's go to uh is it uh, Representative Todd Aiken? Uh sure. Republican yeah. of Missouri. We can hear from all of them. Yeah, let's hear from everybody. Cl- uh, clip number four, Representative Todd Aiken of Missouri.
2: Are we going to then protect and condone homosexuality in the military? That's that is a big question, and how does that work out? And uh is this the way that we show respect for the people who are willing to offer their lives? and their limbs for our country. Is this is the sort of thing that George Washington or our founders would be proud of, that we were doing today in, in this little quick flash before Memorial Day. And uh, why are we t- wanting to do this? Well, to tickle the fancies of a, of a very vocal but very small minority for political purposes. I will not betray my children or our
12: armed services people just for mere politics. You white moron. Um. Uh, do we think tickle the fancy was intentional?
9: Well, shove it down their throats, that, that's what <laughs> Louis Gohmert said. I, you know, oh, a, a, did he a, really? Yeah, yeah. A, oh, again, I, I again, yeah. you know, you, you hear the, what, how are we offending, and first of all, he's saying a small but vocal minority that actually got it passed or got it repealed. Really? I love that. Yeah, so we're, right. trying, we're trying to appeal to a small but vocal minority, and then they passed it.
12: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, uh, but by the way, I missed shove it down their throat, and now tickle the, there's no way all of that's not intentional. Well,
9: I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it is. I'm not I'm that skeptical. It... I'm not that skeptical. What I'm saying is these guys are idiots. And these guys, uh, he's talking about protecting his family. They're they're you know risking life and limb. But the gay people that are in the service right now, they're not risking life and limb. I, I just hope one of these guys gets caught with a guy, you know, a male prostitute, uh, in you know Washington somewhere, and and uh, I just would love the hypocrisy. Uh, So go ahead. Look at you with the manning the board. Yeah. You must be pretty proud of yourself.
6: in the closing minutes of our show, the House of Representatives voted to allow the don't ask, don't tell policy to be repealed. Congressman Patrick Murphy had said repeatedly that he had the votes. Turns out he did, in fact, have them. He had 17 more votes for repeal than he needed. Now what passed the House was an amendment to a Pentagon funding bill. Despite much crowing from House Republicans that they would vote down funding for the Pentagon rather than allow the funding bill to also repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, the overall funding bill also passed the House today. So here's what happens next. The Senate also needs to pass its defense authorization bill with the Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal amendment. That vote should happen sometime in the next couple of weeks. If that passes too, then what happens, at least for a while, is nothing. The Pentagon review of how to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell is due December 1st. Then the president and the secretary of defense and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs all have to certify that repealing the policy won't hurt the military. And then 60 days after that, Then, Don't Ask, Don't Tell would be repealed. The New York Times headline on this today got the subtleties of this right. Their headline was, House votes to allow Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal. To allow being key there. They didn't actually repeal it yet. This just means the military can repeal it. And it's not a done deal. Defense Secretary Bob Gates made that clear today in a video message to troops about it.
13: As you may know, Earlier this week, Congress began legislative action to change the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy regarding homosexuality in the armed forces. Given the complicated political debates surrounding this issue, I thought it important for you to hear from me what this means for you, the men and women wearing our nation's uniform. The legislation involved is a deferred repeal. In other words, it would repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, but only after. I repeat, after the ongoing Department of Defense high-level review is completed and only after the President, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and I all can certify that we are ready to make this change without hurting unit cohesion, military readiness, military effectiveness, and recruiting and retention. While this process plays out over time, nothing will change in terms of our current policies and practices. Current law, policies, and regulations remain in place, and we are obligated to
6: abide by them as before. So, in other words, with that last part, um, don't come out. at least not yet. That advice echoed today by the service members Legal Defense Network, which advocates for a repeal of the policy. They are telling gay people who are currently serving in the military, do not come out. Don't ask, don't tell remains the law until this process is complete. Lesbian, gay, and bisexual service members are still being discharged under don't ask, don't tell, and they will continue to be discharged until this process is complete. The moral arc of the universe may bend toward justice, in other words, but it is a long, long arc. The wait is nowhere near over.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. I posted this show one day early. It normally would have been a a Wednesday show. Not that you care even a little bit about that, especially for those of you who are listening to this in like February 2011 and you're just going through the archives. Doesn't really matter that I posted this a day early. But I'm just saying that because uh, for those of you who are uh, listening to it, as it comes out, I just want to give myself one extra day to tell you that... uh, Well, the show's coming out on a Tuesday morning. If you listen to it today, then uh, today in Washington, D.C., Tuesday, June 8th, there is a listener meetup happening, uh, Best of the Left listeners, Young Turks listeners, along with, of course, myself and the whole Young Turks crew, happening in Washington, D.C. tonight, 8 p.m., taking place at the Open City Bar. It's a, like, bar, coffee shop sort of thing, and it's right at the Adams Morgan Metro stop in Washington, D.C. So that's happening June 8th and June 9th, of course, is the big protest that uh, we've been leading up to for a, a little while now. The Young Turks are organizing this and the cavalry has come in. The uh, The organizers of the big convention in Washington, D.C. have joined in, will be promoting it. It's happening at 1.30 p.m. on June 9th and it's taking place right at the Treasury Department, pretty close to the White House. So if you can make it down for either of those events, we would love to see you there. So now today, I think I actually have something genuinely interesting to tell you. And it go, it goes well with the theme of today's show. It's uh, an epiphany that I had based on a political cartoon I saw. And it answered a question for me that has been nagging myself and I know a lot of other people for a really long time. And it's this idea of how do Republicans simultaneously have such incredibly negative feelings towards, you know, adultery or homosexuality or any of those things. And then when they themselves do those things, how do their own, you know, supporters, their own party members, their own fellow conservative thinkers, how do they so quickly forgive these people so often, it seems like, at least publicly, when, you know, we see it as the absolute height of hypocrisy and they are somehow able to do these things and get away with it. And so that question has absolutely plagued me for years. It's it's been such a mystery and I think I figured it out. Now, don't be confused. I think that this logic I'm about to lay out for you is incredibly misguided, but understanding what the other side is thinking is a huge step forward, I think. So this political cartoon, now close your eyes. I'm, I'm going to describe in great detail this political cartoon. Uh, if you're driving, uh, you know, be careful, but close your eyes because you're going to need to listen. There are, you know, classic political cartoon, Donkey and an Elephant, and they're in a race. They're, they're running hurdles, you know, we're running down the track and you got to jump over the hurdles. So, uh, so they're running side by side. Each one of them is attempting to jump over a hurdle and on the hurdles that they're attempting to jump over is written the word morals. And the donkey, represented, of course, the Democrats, their hurdle is set incredibly low. It's like down at their knees. You know, they just have to step over it. It's you know really, really easy. So the donkey is making it over the hurdle, no sweat. The elephant, his hurdle is set way, way up. It's like at his eyes. And he's trying to jump over it, and he gets close, but he knocks he knocks the hurdle over and the donkey looks is looking towards the elephant saying the word hypocrite. And I saw that and it was a profound moment for me. I finally got it. It's, it's that Republicans and Democrats, you know, progressives, liberals versus conservatives, we have completely different concepts of what morality is. And so for them, they are so convinced. That their standards of morality are so far above you know the progressive idea of morality that to them, striving for this great, great height of morality is you know intrinsically good, just striving for it is good and, and to be you know greatly honored. And then if you don't quite make it, and you know as the elephant knocks over the hurdle, if you don't quite make it there's still great value to be seen in, well, at least he was trying. At least he was really going for it. He was really trying to be the most moral he could be. Whereas the progressives, sure, they're not hypocrites because they accept debauchery. They don't have to fall from grace because they're so far from grace anyways. So anyways, that, that political cartoon, although I disagree with it so profoundly, It cannot be described but but seeing it really was like a window into their thinking and and I finally was able to understand where they were coming from which I really really appreciated and wanted to share and so now the reverse just to give you my point of view on on that for a moment you know for, for me the hypocrisy itself is the incredibly immoral part of what they're doing generally speaking when Republicans are are found to be incredible hypocrites, very, very often the the action that they've taken is is something that I don't even disagree with. I, I don't even think that they should be condemned for what they did. It's the fact that they're hypocrites about it as to why they should be condemned. But but not just that, like just being a hypocrite, like just saying You should eat your vegetables where, you know, you as a parent never eat your vegetables, but you forced your kid to eat them. Like, that could be a little hypocritical, but that's not what we're talking about, obviously. You know, the hypocrisy itself also is not the fundamental essence of what should be condemned. What should be condemned is the specific type of hypocrisy they engage in hurts other people they they suppress other people's rights they keep other people down they you know get into other people's lives and try to dictate how other people should live and then on top of it they succumb to those exact same things whether it be their inner demons of homosexuality or just cheating on their wife regularly or doing drugs or you know whatever they're doing Whatever a normal human should, should be allowed to do, they hurt other people by, you know, condemning it. So if they would just adopt a live and let live kind of mentality, then not only would they not be hypocrites, but then they could do whatever they want, and I wouldn't condemn them for that either. Seems like the easiest thing in the world. I don't know why they insist on getting into everyone's business. Of course, I think that gets into a whole other discussion of projection and how, they hate those things about themselves and they have to project on other people. And if they can control how other people act, then it'll help them control their own demons and so on and so forth. If I'm not careful about that, I can talk for, you know, 30 solid minutes uh, with, with hardly taking a breath on, on these types of topics. But I will spare you that. That's going to be it for today. Please continue to support the show by telling everyone you know about it. Stay connected between episodes by following us on Facebook and Twitter. Details about the show, including the links to all the sources and all the music used in this and every episode, is always available in the show notes on the blog. So, coming to you again, still from inside the beltway and border, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you ten times a month, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com.
2: will take you out